Welcome to episode 22. I hope you're doing well, my little pumpkin seeds. If this is your first time here, this is The Joy of Horror. And I'm here to take you on a journey to all the odd and spooky corners of the world. This, I feel, is a special week because it's going to be yet another first for the pod. Today is my first possession topic, and a case I've personally never really heard of prior. At least from what I can remember. First, though, I just wanted to give a quick, small little update. Currently, I'm planning on making some stickers and maybe even some postcards for a potential future Patreon, and I am very excited about both. If you'd be interested in either, please let me know. I mean, they're probably going to be made sooner or later anyway, but I do love feedback from y'all. Truly. Okay, before we hop on in, I did want to apologize in advance that this is probably going to be another semi-short episode in a row. I promise I did not do this on purpose, and it kind of just happened. You see, when I pick topics, I pick a category, and then I dive into whatever from that category most catches my eye. I don't tend to check how much information there is on the topic. I just try and be as thorough as possible for your listening pleasure, of course. With that, we are now going to dive in to the possession of Clara Germaina Cellier. Which, please forgive me if I pronounced any of her name wrong, I heard it said several ways, and I kind of just went with my gut. Okay, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and dig on in. For this unfortunate case, we travel back to 1906, to the town of Umzinto, which is located in KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. There, we meet the young Clara Germaina Cellier, at the age of 16. Germaina was of African descent and an orphan living at St. Michael's Mission. She was abandoned by her parents as an infant, but was baptized and began attending Marion Hill Mission School at the age of four. She was known to be slightly unpredictable, but otherwise an average, well-mannered student. This whole event began when the young girl went to confession and admitted on at least a few occasions to the priest that she wanted to make a deal with the devil himself. She was brushed off each time, and it's not stated, but I'm assuming she was told to not speak of such nonsense. Now, the true trouble began one fine day when Germaina confessed to Father Erasmus Horner, who was one of the clergy at the school, that she had done it. Yep, our girl had sold her soul to the devil himself. None of my sources I could find went into any detail on why she might have done this. I would assume just being rebellious, maybe due to being bullied, or some combo of the two. But I couldn't find a reason during the case. Regardless of the why, it sounds like the confession was just brushed aside and ignored again. Which sounds really, really surprising for a Catholic school in the early 1900s. Isn't that kind of their thing to investigate? At least I read that it was a Catholic school. Everywhere said that Germaina was a Christian girl, though. Something, of course, could have been mixed up in translation. Anyway, I'm surprised this wasn't looked into a little bit stronger. I think this was after the church began considering mental illness before jumping to full-on exorcism, which is great, but not at least sitting down the girl and talking about her feelings or why she would claim such things. 
No. Mm -mm. Ten points from Gryffindor. Now, the clergy and the nuns of the school and mission where the young girl lived began noticing some odd and erratic behavior, which isn't elaborated on more, but apparently it hit ahead on August 20th of 1906. By this point, she was speaking to beings only she could see, barking or grunting like a wild beast or animal, and pulling or tearing at her own dang clothes. According to a few sources, Germaina herself was quoted saying during a fit, quote, Sister, please call Father Erasmus. I must confess and tell everything, but quick, quick, or Satan will kill me. He has me in his power. Nothing blessed is with me. I have thrown away all the medals you gave me, unquote. Which sounds like this was when she originally told the father, but the order of my sources made this seem like something she said afterwards. Now, later, she did follow up by saying, quote, You have betrayed me. You have promised me days of glory, but now you treat me cruelly, unquote. It's said that she said this aloud to the devil inside her, saying she felt cheated by the demon. As mentioned, though, we never do find out why she made the pact and sold her soul. So why she felt cheated is never explained. I'm assuming the school and mission were freaking out with many of the staff and students witnessing these acts. But an exorcism wasn't properly attempted until September 10th, with some sources claiming September 11th. Before this time, it was said that Germaina began presenting more signs of demonic possession. One example is she showed signs of being clairvoyant and was able to go into vivid details of a man's private life despite only knowing the bare minimum, like probably his name prior. It said that she was able to do this with anyone, but it seems like this poor man's humiliating past, though not elaborated on in my sources, was the main one noted and mentioned in text. As said though, he's not alone and she would do this to many people, sometimes revealing embarrassing moments from their past, supposed sexual fantasies they had, or immoral slash bad deeds they had committed. Another fun tidbit is that when it came to being splashed or sprinkled with holy water, she would scream and it would burn her skin. At one point, they attempted using normal water to see if the effects would be the same. Testing the waters, if you will. And when the ordinary water was used, she would only laugh at the priest. Next on the list of how to know you're possessed by a demon, she seemed to have suddenly developed superhuman-like strength. It was said that she became so strong during these episodes that it was impossible for less than four full-grown adults to hold her down, and she was easily able to throw nuns and others trying to help her across the room. Moving on, the young girl was suddenly able to understand many languages she had no prior training in or exposure to. Just some of the languages documented are French, German, Latin, and Polish. It was said that at first, she was only able to speak some words in each language, but that quickly escalated to full sentences and then full-on ranting, which is said to be the final bit of convincing the clergy needed to believe this was indeed a possession. Now, one of the most talked about events during Germaine's possession was levitation. When she would levitate, whether horizontally or vertically, it was said there were always numerous witnesses, sometimes up to 150, 
and that despite the angle that she would hover, her clothes would always stick to her body, as if ignoring the laws of gravity. It's claimed that once she was splashed with some holy water, she would temporarily come out of her demonic state and come back to the floor, which is how most cats seem to work. Just saying. Maybe demons are just really feisty cats. Alright, so my favorite alleged report is that she took on the qualities of a serpent. Now, I don't mean just hissing and wiggling around. This girl's body was said to basically turn into a rubber-like state and she was able to slither around on the ground as if she had no elongated bones and was said to even have bit one of her caretakers, a nun, on the arm. Some said she left snake-like bites and others said that Germaine's own teeth left an impression with a mark looking like a forked tongue in the center. In a few sources, it sounds like this event might have happened during the exorcism itself, but in others, it sounded like this happened prior. Now, before we get into the exorcism events, I did want to touch on one more side effect Germaine exhibited while being possessed that is common. Some who recount the event said that she showed great reluctance to be around any religious imagery, to the point that she would go to great lengths just to go around the items, avoid being in the room with one, and especially to not be touched by one. On the occasion she did make direct contact with a cross or other holy symbol, she was said to screech an inhuman noise that greatly frightened those around her. In response to the noise she would make, one nun was quoted saying, quote, no animal had ever made such sounds. Neither the lions of East Africa nor the angry bulls. At times, it sounded like a veritable herd of wild beasts orchestrated by Satan had formed a hellish choir, unquote. While this seems basic and very common in alleged possession cases, there is a claim in Francis Young's book, A History of Exorcism in Catholic Christianity, that Germaine, during her possession, would actually participate in receiving Holy Communion, and even go to confession several times. It's believed by some that if this is the true case, this might have happened near the beginning of her possession, and that the tantrums over religious objects came later. Okay, it is time for the exorcism! In one corner, we have the young, possessed Clara Germaine Cellier, and in the other, we have Father Erasmus, the man she made her original confession, and Father Mansuedi, the director of St. Michael's Mission. The exorcism, as mentioned, began on September 10th and ended up lasting two days. Germaine began the match hot by attacking Father Mansuedi after the two fathers came closer to her. She knocked the Bible from his hands, leapt onto his back, and began to strangle him with his own stole. The others in attendance were able to save the poor man by prying the young girl off of him, though it took several to do so. She upped the ante by levitating several times during the ordeal and even flinging objects around. To hopefully prevent this any further, she was tied down to the bed itself for the remainder of the exorcism. They pulled the holy water out and used it as the main tool in exercising the demon inside the poor student. It's said in some sources that this is actually when they tested using holy water and ordinary water as another surefire way to make sure it was actually a possession and not just someone with a mental illness. 
Which, I mean, if you gotta be sure, be sure. But I feel like the levitation, sudden mental download of languages, and, you know, slithering around on the ground was enough. But in the places saying this was a test during the exorcism seemed to hint that only holy water was used in the prior instances mentioned earlier. The exorcism began in the wee morning hours of September 10th and went on until around noon. The men in assistance broke and came back to continue their work around 3 p.m. From there, they worked into the night. Holy water, yelling, items being flung, etc. Until the following morning when the fathers re-administrated the rites. Germaina's body levitated just one more time in front of an audience of allegedly 170 people. And when she laid back on the bed, it was announced that the devil had left her body and she was now clear. There are one or two sources that say the girl actually made another pact because she apparently can't learn and had to go through another exorcism in January of 1907. But since this was only mentioned once or twice, I'm going to hope and assume there were only one two-day exorcism. Though if there were two, I couldn't find many other details, so I'll just assume it was a repeat of the festivities from the first. Okay, so after the exorcism, Germaina, ashamed and basically humiliated by the way she acted during her possession and the exorcism itself, she went about begging for forgiveness to those who were involved. She wanted to make amends and began the remainder of her life with good deeds and dedication to the church. Now, there are two versions of what happened to her after her possession. Some say she got lost in time and blended into society, while others say she actually only lived to about 22 and died of heart failure. I couldn't find a solid answer for which is correct, so I do apologize for that, but I do hope you learned today, if you didn't know already, to not make any deals with any supernatural beings. It rarely, if ever, ends well. Like, come on. Alright, before we go on to the pop culture section, or lack thereof, and the movie recommendation of the week, I wanted to point out that the main reason this case doesn't have a whole lot of details, or that some details jump around a bit, is because this whole account seems to have been collected from various diaries and journals from those involved and were pieced together later on. So I do apologize if anything seemed a little bit jumbled, but I tried to keep it as aligned as possible from what my sources spoke of. With that being said, there's unfortunately almost nothing to mention in this week's pop culture section. Germaine's case is mentioned in a few books, such as Demon Children by Martin Aben and Possessed by Satan by Adolf Rodwick. I couldn't find any real movies or games based on her or her case, but I did find a song by someone called Jacob and Human that uses the young girl's name as a song title. Not my kind of jam, if I'm going to be honest, but I felt like it was worth mentioning. Alright, it's now, of course, time for the movie recommendation of the week. You guys don't get it. I've been holding on to this movie rec until this very moment. The first episode, I covered a possession, and I am happy to now recommend the movie Ouija, Origin of Evil, from 2016. If you've seen the first of this franchise, Ouija, and because of how that movie fared out, decided to avoid its sequel, 
For the love of whatever deity you believe in, go watch it after this episode. It is so much better than the first. For those who don't know, Ouija, Origin of Evil, is about a family in the late 1960s who run a scam business involving seances. Trying to add some more pep to their routine, the mother accidentally releases an evil entity that possesses one of her children. Way to go, mom. It's a fun and generally spooky watch, and if you give it a shot, I truly hope you enjoy it. Okay, that's all for you this week, you handsome, beautiful human you. If you wish to be given reminders of episode releases, have a place to tag or DM me, or just want to keep me under your internal gaze, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at TJOHpodcast. And always, if you have a moment to spare, please leave me a rating and or review on iTunes, Podchaser, or even my Facebook page. It helps out a lot and helps others find the pod, or so I'm told. Other than that, please be sure to keep your head up. Times might be tough, but you're tougher. I've said it before, but you're stronger than you think, and you're going to show them how truly wrong they were. With all my love, I hope you have a spooky night.